Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. A series that we started several weeks ago that we are simply calling Origin. Now let me tell you this, I'm a little saddened we are not going to be able to finish the book of Genesis. Uh, because we are starting life groups in just a couple of weeks, we are not going to be able to finish it. So, so tonight I've, I'm pushing forward a little bit, skipping over some minor details and moving forward. I'll explain that in a moment. And next week I'm going to kind of give you kind of a wrap up of all of the book of Genesis. Then we have a special treat at the end of the month that you're going to experience here on a Sunday night. So a lot of things are transpiring. I would encourage you, there's a lot left in the book of Genesis that we have not had a chance to cover. So I would encourage you, sit back and read through it. I mean, don't just skim over the book of Genesis. Maybe you get to a story, you're like, oh, I know that story already. I'm just going to skip this one and go on to the next one. No, 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 no. Take the time, process through it, let God speak into your life. I believe there's a lot that we can learn from the book of Genesis. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the... A series that we're simply calling Origin. We're taking the time to process through the, the who, the what, the where, the why, and the how of the in the beginning, from the very beginning, the foundation of all that is transpiring in life. We've looked at the world's creation. We've looked at sin entering the world and the impact that it's had. We looked at a guy by the name of Nimrod. We've looked at choices made by us and choices made by God. We've taken the time to discuss substitutionary um, solutions of how sometimes we, we speed our way through and don't wait upon God and we, we come up with our own solutions. We've looked at what's in a name and, and the transition from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. But tonight I want to move forward several chapters to when Isaac is finding a wife. I've titled tonight's message, Is She the One? And I know that I'm skipping several things, but I want to hit on a few points before we conclude this series in just a couple of weeks. You see, beginning on September 9th, we are going to jump into headfirst life groups. And I believe this is going to be a vital time of us as a church, of Bethel Assembly as a church. It's going to be a moment, a time when we grow together, as we begin to learn together, as we meet all across this area and this region, 11 houses here in town and about five others or six others in the surrounding areas. We bombard this area with God's word. Again, I really want to encourage you to plug into a life group. I believe that life groups are going to help us to grow not only numerically, but also spiritually and relationally. And I believe that, that that's what God's called us to do. But tonight we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 24. Let me share with you just for a moment what has transpired since Sodom and Gomorrah, which we talked about just a couple of weeks ago up until now. Abraham has another moment of telling a king that Sarah is his sister. Now, do you remember when that happened the first time? It did not fare too well for him. But this time, he tries to justify his actions by saying, well, we actually have the same father, but different mothers. So in all actuality, we are brother and sisters. But how many of you know that deception is still a lie no matter how you dress it up? 
Okay, let me, let me say that again because only about half of you were convinced. Deception is still a lie no matter how you dress it up. You can read about that in chapter 20 of Genesis. Then in chapter 21, it happens. Isaac is finally born. We've heard about this promised one. We've heard about this child coming for chapter after chapter after chapter. But now Sarah is 90 years old and Abraham is 100. How many of you would like to have a baby at 90 and 100? Any takers in the house tonight? No, not, not a single one of us would desire that. But suddenly, Isaac is brought into the world. Not long after, we see that Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael away. Hagar has a moment with God once again. God hears her heart's cry. Then in chapter 22, we see the biggest test of all times. Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. The long-awaited Isaac, the one that he had been waiting for, that God had promised him. God says, would you take him to a place where I'm going to tell you, and would you sacrifice him there? Now, I'm not going to take the time to preach that story tonight, even though it's one of the greatest stories in the book of Genesis. Because just a short time ago on a Sunday morning, I, I processed through this story as an act of worship and faith that Abraham was offering to God. Next, we see that Sarah passes away and Abraham pays a high price to bury her in the finest of caves. Now, tonight we are landing in a moment in the book of Genesis chapter 24. And I want to look at our text. But for our text, I'm not going to look at Genesis. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 3. Our text says this, trust in the Lord. Look at your neighbor say, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Now there's a very important word there, a very small word, but vitally important. The word is A-L-L, all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many of you know it's easy to trust God a little bit? It's easy to trust God when everything is good. It's easy to trust God when everybody's on your side. When everything is falling into place. But did you know that it's not quite as easy to trust God when things aren't going well? But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Don't depend on your own understanding. Why? We've said it before, because our understanding is very limited. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, over the next couple of weeks, I want to just touch on some key moments and key points in the remainder of the book of Genesis. I stated a moment ago, there's still a lot of meat on the bone, and I would encourage you to spend some time reading through and letting God speak to you through the book of Genesis in your personal time. But as I was processing over the next couple of weeks of what was going to transpire, I wanted to get a little further into the book. I wanted to push forward a little bit, but I couldn't quite get past chapter 24. The heading, the title of this section in my Bible is this, A Wife for Isaac. And right out of the gates, in Genesis 24, 1, it makes this statement. 
Abraham was now a very old man. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. Abraham was a very old man and the Lord blessed him in every way. Even though Abraham was an old man at this point, we are told over and over and over in the Bible that Abraham was a man of faith. Once again, we see faith being put into motion, but this time he passes that faith on to one of his servants. Tonight, for the next few moments, I want to share with you four steps to following God's plan. How many of you would like to learn tonight how to truly follow God's plan? Amen. Step number one is this. In order to follow God's plan, number one, you have to discover God's plan. I know that takes a lot of rocket science to figure that one out, right? In order to follow something, you have to discover it. But how often do we try to follow a plan that we don't, aren't holding on to, that we really don't know what's in store, but we're walking around aimlessly, almost with blinders on our eyes, trying to go, now where am I going? How am I going to get there? What's the next step? And God's saying, would you just be still for a moment and know that I'm God and let me speak into your life. In order to follow God's plan, we must discover God's plan. What's our text say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend upon your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Wow. This is sometimes difficult to do. It's sometimes difficult to really discover God's plan. So what are the steps that we need to take to discover the plan? You see, discovering God's plan is accomplished only by the time that is invested in knowing Him more. The only way we can discover God's plan is to press in to get to know Him more. You see, the more that we press in for Him, the more that He will pour out Himself to us. Sometimes we're not ready for the full solution. Sometimes we're not ready for the end result. I've shared this before, but many years ago when I was just very green in ministry, I was seeking after God, trying to figure out what is God's ultimate plan and what does he have in store for the ministry path that he's placing me on and, and where am I heading, what am I doing, what does this look like? And I was crying out to God, and I know you've probably heard this before, but I've got to share it again. I was crying out to God, God, what do you have? What's it look like around the corner? God, where are you leading me and my family? And I was a young 20-some-odd-year-old guy and just trying to figure out life and barely knew how to become an adult and I was trying to figure out how to to be a pastor and I was crying out to God and God answered me he said this when I'm ready to tell you I'll tell you but you know what he's so right because if he would have told that 24 year old wet behind the ears barely knowing how to adult young adult that one day he'd move to the town of Sedalia and he would lead a congregation and that congregation in the six years he'd been there would grow from 65 to 300. I would have gone, God, you are crazy. Because I have no clue how to do that. Can I be honest with you? I still don't have a clue how to do it. But I trust God with all my heart. 
Lean not on my own understanding. But in all my ways acknowledge him. You know what? He makes that path straight. And every step of the way, God has been faithful to speak the next step to me. Now, sometimes that next step was a little scary. I remember when he called me to leave St. James and go to St. Charles. A friend of mine had called me and asked me to join him on staff. And I thought, man, we've got a family right here in town. My, my wife's family's down the road a little ways. My family's a couple blocks away and got a baby. Got a baby, on, got a toddler and a baby on the way. And my wife's got a good job and everything's going great. It makes no sense to leave the church. You only leave a church when there's problems. Right? But God began to direct the steps. When I left St. Charles and came here, the same situation. God began to direct the steps. But it's when we lean upon Him and not on our own understanding. See, coming from St. Charles to here didn't make any sense on paper. But in God's plan, it made perfect sense. It's trusting Him. It's depending upon Him. It's leaning on Him. Matthew 6, says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Did you see that? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Uh, James 4, 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Our text, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Now what's the common denominator in each one of these verses? God. Seek God. Draw near to God. Trust God. But here is what, what I find absolutely amazing. In each situation, as we take the step forward, we're seeking Him, we're drawing close to Him, we're trusting in Him, God responds to our pursuing of Him. He supplies, He also draws close. He lays out the path. You see, God desires to place us in the best path for our lives. Amen. God desires to put you in the perfect place he has a perfect will for you the question is are we seeking him to discover his plan see this is where abraham found himself he was diligent in his pursuit of god did he always make the wisest choice no why because he's human and human nature causes us to move in our own direction from time to time. The key is to continuously return to God. This is where we have seen Abraham go time and time again. In those moments of struggle, in those moments of being unsure, he is running back to God. Now here Abraham was certain that God's plan was for his son Isaac, you know, the promised one, to marry someone from the family line. Therefore, it was vitally important that Isaac marry a woman from the homeland. But it was also vital that Isaac continue to pursue the promised land and not physically return to where Abraham once was. Now, I think that's vitally important that we grab a hold of that. 
Isaac needed to marry somebody of the family line, but he couldn't return because he had to continue to pursue what God had. How often do we find ourselves realizing there's something here that God is calling us to do, and rather than continue to pursue here and grab a hold of that and move forward, we run back to what we once knew. Anybody else? Abraham knew that, that Isaac had to stay in the promised land, that he had to continue to move forward. So here we see Abraham having a serious conversation with his oldest servants. This is believed to be Eleazar. Now, he was known as a godly man that fully followed God and trusted God, just like Abraham, his master. We'll see evidence of this as the story continues tonight. Every step of the way, we see Eleazar reaching out to God for favor and thanksgiving. In this conversation, Abraham looks at him and makes a very bold statement. It says, one day Abraham said to his oldest servants, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Let me just tell you real quick, I will never, Pastor Andy, ask you to take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. <laughs> there might be other promises, but that will never be a way that we present an oath. Okay, very odd, very strange. Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, that the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Now, we'll see this in step two of how Abraham takes this oath one step further to be sure that Isaac remains on the right path with God. But here, he tells his great servant to go to the homeland and find a wife for the promised son, Isaac. Our first step is discover, discover God's plan. Number two, determine to follow even when it's difficult. Determine to follow even when it's difficult. It's one thing to know what God's plan is through his word and another thing to completely be committed to doing his will without compromise. Let me say that again. It's one thing to know God's will through his word, but it's another thing completely to be committed to doing his will without compromise. One of the conditions under which Abraham received God's provincial guidance was his complete commitment to doing God's will. This story reveals to us that God guides us when we are committed to his will and not to our own. No matter how difficult it sometimes is to do God's will. We'll see this in the next two verses that Abraham displayed a commitment necessary to being directed by God. What did the verses tell us a moment ago? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Draw close to God and God will draw close to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do in every moment, every action, and he will show you which path to take. Now we find Abraham. He goes as far as to state in verse 6, 
Don't even take my son to the homeland with you. Now, can I be honest with you? If I was this great servant, it would be a whole lot easier for me to pick out a wife for Isaac if Isaac was with me. Right? But now he's sent on this mission to go back to the homeland and to pick out a wife, find a wife, and bring her back to Isaac. Now that somewhat sounds workable, but we're going to talk about some logistics in just a moment. Abraham says, don't even take my son with you. Genesis 24, 5-7, the servant asks, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land that you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. Here we see that Abraham takes the steps to see that God's plan is furthered through his promised son, Isaac. Isaac must marry and have children for the covenant blessing to be received. A wife is needed. Abraham understands this. So he doesn't sit idly by and wait for God's plan to be fulfilled. He does his part. He takes the appropriate action. In this case, he begins to look for a wife for Isaac. Maybe you've been guilty of this before. Sometimes we think that receiving God's guidance means sitting back and doing nothing. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting for him to open up the door. I'm just waiting for him to present the opportunity. I've known of people who are out of work and they refuse to look for a job because they know that God's going to provide the job. Can I be completely honest with you tonight? This thinking in my mind is unbiblical. God wants us to do our parts. But to do it, while being guided by the knowledge of his word. Taking the step of faith, blindly stepping out, saying, Lord, I don't know what the next step looks like, but God, I'm going to trust you as I step out. God, I'm going to depend upon you as I step out. This is what Abraham does. His search for a wife isn't based on human standards or desires, but is rather directed by the knowledge of God's word. This is why in verse 3 and 4, he insists that Isaac's wife is from his own relatives and not from the local people of Canaan. Why did Abraham insist on this condition? Because he knew enough of God's word to know that God wouldn't bless a marriage with the Canaanites. God had never up to this point specifically prohibited such a marriage. But God had never even given specific direction on whom Isaac should marry. But Abraham knew enough of God's word. He knew enough of the direction of God. 
In the earlier parts of Abraham's life, God had revealed the character, the wickedness, the future, the judgments of the people of Canaan to Abraham. That alone was enough for Abraham to know that marrying one of them was not even an option. He knew what the future looked like. In essence, Abraham was guided by God's revealed word. He didn't have a specific commandments, but he did have enough information to make a reasonable conclusion. In other words, he could apply biblical principles to the situation. Many times, we are in similar situations. We don't have a specific command from the Bible, but we can still apply spiritual, biblical principles from God's Word and therefore know what God's will is in the situation. In verse 5, the servant wants to know what to do if following the principle of God's Word doesn't work out as planned. The servant is basically asking if Abraham will change his mind and the commitments to God's will if it appears that doing things God's way doesn't work out. Abraham says to his servant that Isaac is not to leave the promised land no matter what. Abraham makes it very clear that he is totally committed to following God's will no matter what the end result is. I hope that you respond with the same uncompromising commitment to obeying God's plan when you're confronted with a similar situation. The only way that we can be sure of God's guidance is by being committed to God's will above our own will. Did you grab a hold of that? The only way that we can be sure that guidance, God's guidance is by being committed to His will above our will. We read it a few moments ago. Proverbs 3, 6 tells us, Seek God first and foremost, then He will make your path straight. I don't know about you, but I prefer a, a straight path rather than a windy path. Many times people find ourselves out of God's perfect will because when it comes right down to it, we are not fully committed to his plan. They may pray, they may quote the Bible, they may talk about seeking God's will, but in the reality of, the, of it all, they are seeking God's approval of their plan. Have we ever been guilty of that? We're wanting our will be to be done with His blessing rather than His will to be done. Can I just tell you, His will is so much better than your will. His plan is so much better than your plan. God will work supernaturally in your life to bring about His plan as he did with Isaac and his future wife, Rebecca. But only when your purpose and your total commitment is to do his will. Abraham was dedicated to the plan that he knew God had for him. He was dedicated to the plan that he knew that God had in line for his son, Isaac. 
So we've discovered God's plan. We've determined to follow no matter how difficult it may be. What is our third step? Our third step is this. In every step of the journey, seek and trust God. In every step, we must seek and trust God. Even when you know that you're moving perfectly through His will, there are still going to be those moments when there's a stumbling block in front of you. There are still going to be those moments of, of doubt along the way because we're human. But it's in those moments that you begin to, again, seek first the kingdom of God. It's in those moments that you again turn to Him and, and trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Now notice here I said, seek and trust we cannot have one without the other. It's kind of like ketchup and mustard or peanut butter and jelly. You just can't do one without the other. Here we must learn to not only seek, but to trust. And not only trust, but also seek. Faith and action are both required. Trust is absolutely essential. If you are to be led by God because you will never, I'm sorry, trust is absolutely essential if you are to be led by God because you will never maintain your commitment to obeying Him and waiting on Him unless you really trust Him. You must trust that He will provide everything needed. You must trust that He'll provide everything necessary to fulfill His will for your life in your current situation. This is what Abraham did. He trusted God to provide a wife for Isaac. A wife not from the area of Canaan, but a wife from back home, from the homeland. Abraham states his trust in verse 7. He says this, He, or God, will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. Wow, that's faith. Could you imagine sending a gopher, your head servant, whoever it is, sending them 500 miles on a journey to find your son a wife? And here's what you tell them. Hey, you know what? God's going to go before you. He's going to provide the wife, and you'll find her when you get there. That's a pretty bold statement. Could you imagine what would happen when the servant got to the other end and, and she wasn't there and he calls back and goes, Abraham, there's no girl here. What do I do now? Right? That's faith. God had made a promise. And Abraham expects God to keep that promise by supplying a wife. You see, God's promise wasn't just that Abraham would have a son. God's promise was that Abraham would be the father of many nations. That his, his descendants would be greater than the number of stars in the sky. So unless Isaac finds a wife, that can't take place. Sarah is now dead. Ishmael wasn't an option. God had already said that. So the only way that this promise, that this blessing was going to be fulfilled was if Isaac 
finds a wife. So Abraham puts all of his faith in God in this moment. He looks at his servant and he says, God will send the angel before you. God will provide a wife for my son. He has confidence based on God's specific word and God's specific promise, not on personal desire, but on God's promise. Many people express a trust in God, but their trust is that God will provide what they want and what they desire. That is not the trust that God desires us to have. We must trust His will to be done, not our will to be blessed. God honors trust in His word. Abraham believes that God will provide a wife for Isaac on this trip, despite how unlikely this would happen. What are the chances that Abraham's servant can travel 500 miles, meet a qualified woman from Abraham's own family, convince her and her family to let her travel to a distant land to marry a man she or the family have never even met? Let me say that again. Dads, how would this go over for you? Moms, how would this go over for you? You're sitting at the house one night and you're watching Netflix. You've been watching it for about four hours now. Your eyes are glazed over. The doorbell rings, ding, ding, and someone walks through the door and goes, hey, we're a descendant or we're a family member of yours, and hey, we just traveled 500 miles to be here, and, and are you related to Abraham? Oh, you are related to Abraham. Awesome. Do you have a daughter? Oh, you have a daughter? Awesome. Can I see her? Oh, she's about the right age. Hey, here's the deal. Can your daughter just get on the horse and buggy with me or with the camel with me, and can she travel 500 miles? Can you tell her goodbye? Would that be, would that be okay with you? How would that go down? I'd be like, dude, you've got three seconds to depart this property right now, or it's going to go down. Right? I'm just telling you, i got a 16-year-old daughter. I'm not afraid to go back to prison. Oh, I've never been there, have I? I've never been there, but I'm not afraid. You mess with my daughter, we're going to rumble here. Right? i got to move on. What are the chances that Abraham's servant can travel 500 miles, meet a qualified woman from Abraham's own family, convince her, her and her family to allow her to travel to the distant land, marry a man she or the family have never even known? Human insight or understanding would say there is no chance. Nevertheless, in verse 7, Abraham clearly expects that God is going to do just that. That God is going to send an angel before them, and the angel is going to provide a wife for Isaac. Abraham was clearly expecting God to meet that need, to answer that request, to fulfill that promise. Abraham is not trusting in his own understanding. He's not trusting in his own insight, but rather trusting in God's ways. This trust is essential to being directed by God as God reveals the next step. We've already read the text, but let me read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. 
You will not be directed by God unless you are committed to him and trust him to provide his will and fulfill that in your life. Whether the issue is marriage, ministry, or some other life issue, we must trust that God will supernaturally, will providentially arrange the circumstances at just the right time in just the right way. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything, all things, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. God causes everything, all things, to work together for good. Now in verse 8, Abraham acknowledges that it may not happen as he expects. This isn't a lack of of trust in God, just an acknowledgement that God may provide a different manner than Abraham believes. We know that Abraham still expects God to provide a wife and to fulfill the promise of an offspring because he restates his commitment that Isaac must not go back to the relative's homeland. One way or another, God is going to provide the answer. God is going to meet this need without his people compromising on his word. Under the conditions, Abraham states in verses 5 through 7, the servant agrees to faithfully fulfill his duty. He takes the oath to fulfill the commitments and in the cultural acceptable way of that era, He places his hand under Abraham's thigh. Are we trusting God to work everything out for the good? Not necessarily for what we want, but for the good. It's time to see God and to put our faith completely in him. Look at our fourth and final step tonight. Celebrate and give God praise. Celebrate and give God praise. Now we see this great servant make the journey and settle in in the town where Abraham's brother lived. He then went to the well. He knew that at this point in the evening, the women would be coming out for water. The servant didn't just assume that he would recognize whom God had provided as being a wife for Isaac. So he prayed for guidance and wisdom. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. What did we read a moment ago? Seek first the kingdom of God. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. 
here we see this servant saying, I don't even claim to be able to figure this out by myself. I'm going to lay out this moment. I'm going to talk to one of these ladies. I'm going to ask her for a drink. And, and Lord, if this is the one, let this transpire. I want you to notice something here. That after 500 miles of journey on a camel, the servant arrived at the perfect place to meet a young woman, an unmarried woman, at the very time that women would be coming out to the well to gather water. Is that luck? No, I don't think it's luck. I think it's God's providence. I think it's God setting everything up. God had arranged the circumstances just perfectly for his will to be fulfilled in the situation. Abraham's knowledge, Abraham's commitment and trust were not done in vain. God was working behind the scenes. I believe that God will direct our circumstances so that his will is successfully fulfilled in our lives if we do our part to discover his will, to determine to follow no matter how difficult, to seek and to trust him and to celebrate and give him glory. The servant realized that this was a divine opportunity. So he prays for success and guidance. We just read that in verse 12 through 14. Many Christians today, many of us today, miss God's guidance and divine opportunities because we fail to pray. Often we go through life just making decisions based on our own wisdom and our own knowledge. We need to recognize that we do not have the wisdom, we don't have the understanding to direct our own paths, to make the right choices. We need to pray for God's wisdom. We must seek after Him. One of my favorite scriptures in James chapter 1 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I'm telling you tonight, if you need wisdom, seek after God. That's good news. We have a connection to the one that is all-knowing. We have a connection to the one that holds it all in his hands. God promises to reveal to us what we need when we need it. He may not give you all the answers right now, but he will give you what you need for this moment. If we continue in the story, we see that before this great servant finishes his prayer, before he finishes crying out for God's favor, he sees a woman coming his way. He lays out a God, if this is really you, opportunity. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to your master. Now, according to National Geographic, let me nerd out on you just for a moment. A thirsty camel can drink as many as 30 gallons of water in about 13 minutes. Now, 10 camels could have drunk 300 gallons of water. 
Now, if her pot that she carried around could carry five gallons per trip, she would have around 60 round trips to draw water, transporting to the trough, pouring it out and returning to draw water again. This seems like an impossible request. Why would any young lady, if you ask her for a drink, say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to take 60 round trips to fill this jug of water up to drink, or to fill your, your camels up with water. Right? How, how many of you ladies in the house? If I was to say, hey, you know what? I'm really thirsty right now. Would you get me something to drink? How many of you ladies would say, hey, let me fill up uh, 30, uh, sorry, 10 camels also? Not, none of you? Not, not a single one of you. You're not the chosen one. <laughs> Guess what happened? Exactly that. Before he finishes praying, here comes the bride. This great servant begins to talk with her, and lo and behold, Guess what? She's from Abraham's family. Just as Abraham desired. Verse 26 and 27 says that this great servant bowed down in that moment and he worshiped God. Look at this. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relative. And I don't have time tonight to to go into the rest of the story but the servant and all traveling with him went to Rebecca's home they were able to stay there and befriend the family and talk with the family and lo and behold dad comes out and they talk and dad says yeah take my daughter she can go back with you to Abraham wow isn't God amazing God has provided I want to encourage you tonight. You may be on a journey to discover and even implement what God has planned for your life. I would say to you, even if it's a 500-mile journey, even if you're going to a seemingly impossible situation, stay the course. Stay the course. Don't compromise what you believe God has called you to do. Because when you arrive at that situation, God will in fact provide. Don't lose sight. Let God lead you to the perfect plan.